All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. All eyes are going to be on the QB matchup in Baltimore on Sunday. And Lamar Jackson is certain about one thing. He is not looking forward to going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. I don't like competing against him at all. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not even a, a no-brainer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, but it, it's just – I believe it's just – Two, two, two greats, um, up-and-coming greats, just going toe-to-toe, you know, like a heavyweight fight, heavyweight matchup. That's, that's just what I see. He's right about that, guys. Two greats going head-to-head. It's amazing. Here to talk about the game with us, Richard Sherman joining the guys live right now. Yeah, speaking of another great, a Super Bowl champion and a guy who uh, yeah. is, is due for a gold jacket some point down the road here pretty soon, kind enough to take us well, in. And we were talking off air, Richard. It, it's an incredible slate of football we got coming up this weekend. For a guy that has lived this time of year and has been on some of these deep postseason runs, what kind of feelings come back to mind for you when you start to see guys going through the weekend that you know so well? Uh, just intensity, you know, preparation, just hours and hours and hours and hours of film study, um, routine, you know, guys are in their routines, guys got things they, they do that, that keep them where they need to be. Um, and then it's just details. It's just details, 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 taking care of your body, making sure you get to the game in one, one piece, because usually, usually when you get to the game, you you got something. Everybody has something. It's a knee. It's a elbow. It's a hand. It's a it's a finger. It's a toe. Um, it's a shoulder. It's a back, and and you just got to find a way to get through it because nobody cares about their excuses at the end of the day. You got to execute. So I only made it to the divisional round, never to this round or the Super Bowl. As you get up in rounds, is there is there the press pressure where you maybe press a little too much or you try a little too much, maybe do more than your responsibility because you know the, the, the gravity of the game? Well, I hope not. I mean, I, I, I tried not to, and, and I'm sure some guys do. I'm sure um, that that it gets to, to some guys. I tried not to. I tried to just – and I, that was a 
one of the better things about Pete Carroll's philosophy is he tried said treat every game like a championship. So you always felt the same. You know, you wake up and it's always a championship. It's always a Super Bowl. It's always, you know, it's always a big game. And so when you get to big games, you don't really feel the moment. You know, you're just in it. You're you're playing. You're bowling. You, you and then you look up and confetti's falling down, or they're p- putting up putting up a stage, and you're like, oh yeah, oh this was a championship. Oh, hey, let's 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 go over there. Let's go let's go look at the trophy. You know, give us a t-shirt. Give me my t-shirt. Give me my hat. And <laughs> and then the game's over. But um, you know, I think you know if you if you. If you ask some guys, I'm sure they're like, man, this is a bigger game. This is a bigger moment. You know, I got, I try to go do as much as I can. But when when you feel like you trust the guys around you, you just say, hey, if I just do my job today, we'll get it done. You mentioned Pete Carroll as someone who you know helped you guys with that. How much do you think that experience matters from a coaching standpoint when it gets to a weekend like this? You've obviously got Andy Reid and John Harbaugh who are very familiar with this Kyle Shanahan as well. And then Dan Campbell and the Lions making their first trip here, bursting through the wall. How much do you think that does show up on a weekend like this? Well, I, I, for Dan Campbell, I don't think it matters because Dan Campbell is a gambling man. Dan Campbell... Dan Campbell's going to do things the same way he did all season. Now, if you tell me Dan Campbell's going to get in this game, he's not going to go for it on fourth down. He's not going to fake punt. He's not going to be the guy he, he has been all season to get his team where he, where they've been. Then I'd be disappointed. But I think he's going to be. Um, but I think it is important. I think it's important just because you know what to expect. You know how to approach it with your players. You know the right things to say to your players. You know on game day not to press. Um not to get overzealous, not to get overexcited, because for veteran older guys, you know, they're not going to be so much affected if the coach is like up or down or, or left or right. But young guys, young guys will be sitting there riding the wave with him. You know, if he's up, they're up. If they, you know, if they look at him and his head falls down, their head, head is going to fall down. But thankfully, they got a veteran quarterback who's been there before in Jared Goff, who's been to, to a Super Bowl uh, and, and played in big games. Yeah, they uh, certainly the the talk of the NFL, considering how long it's been for the, since they've been in this position. San Francisco has been in this position. I was fortunate enough to call this game last week, and while Brock Purdy certainly was off of it, let's let's first start there because it always comes into play. A team that's a number one seed, they get the the last week off, so there's 19 days. Everybody says rest versus rust. So Purdy was off in some of his throws, and there's certainly some reasons. But let me start with that first. Do you buy into the rest and rust situation when a guy, especially that young, has that amount of time off? I don't think it was rust. I do think it was rain. I think it was rain. And and it's something that, for some reason, San Francisco has struggled with every single year. Every single year. If it's raining, their fans know this is going to be a stressful game. And regardless of who the opponent, how good or bad they are, uh, the year we went to the Super Bowl with San Francisco, we almost lost to the Commanders or the Washington football team. Or, I forget what they were at the time, yeah. but <laughs> they were one of those things. Um, but but it just we're slipping and sliding around the field, and it just you know the ball slipping. Jimmy doesn't have a great game. Defense, we kind of give up more plays than we usually do, and and you look up and it's a ball game uh, against a team that it shouldn't have been. And so it's just been one of those Achilles heels of the San Francisco 49ers for years. And I was glad they overcame it because I knew I know the history and I know usually in those situations on top of, hey, they're down seven going into the fourth. Kyle never wins those games. You know, it was just all those things that had to be overcome. 
And you you mentioned about players being hurt. There's a 100% chance that everybody's got some kind of nick at this point. And if you get on the field, you just want to see results. You don't want to hear about injuries. But with San Francisco, how important or how bad will it be if Debo Samuel, who's got the shoulder injury, is not on the field? I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. You know, I know the stats and everything, but I also knew the stats of, of them trailing going into the fourth by seven. You know, sometimes the playoffs bring different things out of you. And I think Kyle Shanahan will draw up a, a, a contingency plan this time. You know, I think he went to Green Bay totally expecting Debo to be there and all his game plan kind of surrounded that. Even his first play of the second quarter or the third quarter when he gave the ball to Jawan Jennings because he forgot Debo's not in anymore. Yeah. And he's calling a game like Debo's playing. And so I think he'll draw up the play, the, the, the play sheet and the game plan as if Debo's not playing and one as if Debo is playing. And if he can't go, he'll have a he'll have a contingency plan ready, you know, that may feature Jawan Jennings a little more, George Kittle a little more, uh, Brandon Ayuk, obviously, and use Christian McCaffrey in those spots. I think you're absolutely right, and it's a great point about being able to adjust on the fly to injury versus having the whole week to prepare. And all of that is, again, going to be the things that fall in the lap of Brock Purdy, who... Uh, has become somewhat of a lightning rod in the NFL. Richard, I'm curious, you obviously, as a 49ers alum and someone who works in the media now covering this, why do you think Brock Purdy has been so polarizing for so many people? Because he's not supposed to be this. He's not supposed to be here. He's not supposed to be this good. He's not supposed to be in this position. And that's the part that I, which is fine. Usually, America loves an underdog story. They just don't love this one. <laughs> for some reason, they do not love this one. Um but if you if you told me like playing quarterback and how good of an athlete you were would be the discussion in this day and age, I would have called you a fool back in the day. You know when it was Peyton and and Drew and and Aaron and and Tom, because none of I mean outside of Aaron, none of those guys are great athletes. And so if you sat there and told me, hey, uh, Drew Brees isn't as good as as as. Uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Love because he's not as good of an athlete. I would have, I would have told you to get drug tested because you're on something. Um, and and but that's the discussion we're in. You know when when you're telling me, hey, if you would have compared these guys to Tom Brady, you know before he had seven rings, you would have said, hey, they're way better athletes than him. They got bigger arms. They they do all these things and he doesn't, so he can't be as good. And he was a six round pick. And, and you know what I mean? It's just how the how the discussion has changed over time. It's like you don't even give him a chance to get a foot in the door anymore. This is a second-year quarterback we're talking about. This isn't a guy who's played terrible for five years and then all of a sudden woke up and, and is playing out of his mind. This guy won his first seven games of his career, played really good, and then everybody said, I want to see what he can do over a full season. Over a full season, he, he led the league in a number of categories, played very efficiently, set out the last game of the season, probably could have had more stats, um, and led his team to a second consecutive NFC championship. I don't know what else you want the kids to do. Yeah, completely agree with that. And, and from the rain standpoint, the forecast, at least right now for Sunday, is sunny in 67, so they may not have to deal with the, the slick ball or the slick field. So uh, put one in the column for San Francisco <laughs> on that one. Let's go to the AFC side, but to one side. As a former D lineman, my job was just to, to rush the passer on passes. But I want you to talk about the back seven. When Lamar Jackson breaks the pocket, 
with his ability to either run or hurt you with his arm. What goes on with the back seven, depending on the coverage, when a guy like that breaks contain on how you react or need to react as a secondary? Well, I mean, you, you try to you try to plaster initially. You know, the first thing you want to do is plaster and find guy nearest you and, and stay on him, you know, and, and chase him around, try to understand the scramble rules. If he's scrambling left and everybody should be going left and a person that's on the sideline to the left is going up the field and you got to understand these rules so that you can cover these guys. Um, then you kind of got to look back at him and see, kind of gauge if he's past the line of scrimmage or not. Because, I mean, again, at that point, you're the last line of defense and you got to get him, get him on the ground. And so um, I think that's, that's the way a lot of guys think about it. And then you got to kind of like corral him. You got to angles. It's almost like a kickoff where you're like, hey, I got to be on this side. You got to be on this side. You got to be in this lane because you can't just say, oh, man, I'm going to go make a tackle because he's not. He's one of those guys in open field that can make anybody miss, that can make anybody look really ridiculous. And so you got to kind of tackle him as a, as, as a group. It's certainly a tall task. Uh, Steve Spagnola is certainly someone that's used to tall tasks on the defensive side, coaching up that unit in Kansas City. Uh, all right, Richard, as we look towards this weekend, on each side, who's your pick to win and get to the Super Bowl from the AFC and NFC? And what do you think each game ultimately comes down to? On the NFC side, I think San Francisco is going to win. I think it's going to be competitive early um, because Detroit runs the ball really well. Um, they make enough plays on defense. But I, but I also understand over the last five games, they've given up 345 every single time passing. Um, their secondary isn't the greatest um at least their corners aren't and I, I i think kyle shanahan will be able to draw up some things you know he'll look at kevin o'connell's that minnesota vikings tape where nick mullins kind of had his way and they'll they'll run some of that stuff and, and they'll have some success defensively um i this is one of the best o-lines that they'll face in in, in uh in a detroit lions o-line but they're banged up um they're banged up right now, and, and I just think they've been playing man protection all year and, and being able to slide and being able to ISO guys, and you can't play this D-line. Uh, Golik, you, you, you know, you can't, you can't ISO these guys. Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Chase yep. Young, if you say one-on-ones across the board, they would, they would pay half their salaries to get that in the playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think that, uh, you know, that'll, that'll show itself. Maybe this D-line will get hot. They'll win that game. On the other side, I think um, it's going to be a defensive battle. You know, I know we're talking about the quarterbacks, but I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think uh, Baltimore's defense is one of the best defenses uh, that the NFL has seen in a long time. I think they're physical. I think they got pass rushers galore, and they just rotate them in. There's no big name that you're like, this guy has to go off. You know, they're doing it. Jadavion Clowney, Justin uh, Matabike. Uh, they're, they're doing it guy after guy. I mean, even uh, I always freaking – and they got him they got him third fourth game of the season um kyle van noy oh van noy van noy dalvin Hoy is over there having a career year uh in mike mcdaniel's i mean mcdonald's offense i mean defense and he wasn't expected he was out of the league he was pretty much out of the league on the couch and uh and that's what i mean they, they found a way to get the most out of guys kyle hamilton but i think the underrated part of this game is is spags's defense 
I don't think anybody giving them a chance. Uh, they, they're treating it like a normal Kansas City defense, like a normal year. They usually have a middle of the pack defense, fringe top ten, and and then they just kind of make plays in the playoffs. And everybody's like, "Well, you got no names, Chris Jones, and everybody else." But these guys are playing really good. Legarius Sneed probably should have been a Pro Bowler this year, All Pro. Um, you got you got him. Justin Reed is playing good football. Chris Jones, George Karloftis. You got guys making big plays throughout these games. Even Watson at the corners having a solid season. And so I think they're going to play well. And then I think you just it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I got I got Kansas City. Yeah, I, it, going back real quickly to Baltimore, sixty sacks led the league. Sixteen different players have had a sack. Mm-hmm. To your point of they can spread the wealth out. All right, Richard, before we let you go, I want to look at the coaching side. I want to touch on Harbaugh for a second. But before that, how surprised are you? Four jobs taken, four jobs left, and Bill Belichick still doesn't have a job. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not as surprised by that. Just because I would like him to say it more than me speculated, but the way he's been in New England in terms of having all the power over everything, he's the judge, the jury, and it. The executor, you know, he's he's the guy. I'm the GM. I'm the president. I'm the head coach. I make all the shots. I call all the shots. And I just don't see any organization that's going to have guys come in and interview him and then say, well, you can fire me after this interview. After we hire you, you you'll take my job and then you'll do it. Like, I just don't see anybody signing up for that. And so so I think unless he adjusts his philosophy, then he's going to have a hard time. It's it's a great it's a great point. Nobody is going to sign up to have their successor right there in the room with them. And that wasn't the case for Jim Harbaugh, who gets to sign up now as the head coach with the Chargers with no GM in place. It seems like he's going to have a lot of control. Uh, Richard's a guy that you played for in your time at Stanford. What is the player experience like playing for Jim Harbaugh? Well, I never played for him in the NFL, but um He's 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 a different kind of guy, you know. He he usually hires great coaches around him. Um, he's kind of quirky at times, you know. He, he's he's out of the ordinary. He's out, you know. He's out, he's kind of sometimes you look at things and you're like, man, that's not the way everybody else would do it. But I respect the way you're doing it, you know. Because in college you got winter conditioning, you got things like that, and and he may have guys wrestling and 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 see who can take the sock off of a guy instead of doing a normal <laughs> six a.m. drill. And you're like. Well, I, I'm a corner that weighs 180 pounds, and that's a 360-pound lineman, and you want us to wrestle for a sock. I just don't feel like this is going to go well, but I got you. I'll do it because you're telling me to do it. You know, or he might have guys go out there and get on the track after a 6 a.m. workout and race for starting spots. And, you know, you're like, I'm the starting corner, and I got to go race these guys in a 200 for my starting spot. And I'm like, well, I mean, I might not beat him in a 200, but I promise you I'm a better football player. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> just to kind of competitive, you know, just get the competitive juices going and make things competitive year round. Um, and those are the kind of things that he did. But he usually hires fantastic coaches around him. He's usually great in-game managing situations, um, making decisions. You don't hear, you know, many situations where Jim Harbaugh made the wrong decision. He went for it when he shouldn't have. Or he didn't punt here. He kicked the field goal here or should have went for it here, and he didn't. Usually he's making the right decisions, um, and he got a good scheme offensively and defensively. Pete, uh, or, or Richard, only about a minute left. I want to talk about a guy you did play for in the NFL, and that's Pete Carroll. If Pete Carroll wants to coach again, do you think he will? 
yeah, I, I, I would hope he would get a job. You know, he, he again, not like Belichick, is just going to come in and coach, going to try to establish a fun culture, positive, find good coordinators, and run the ball, put a young quarterback in good positions, and play some good defense. So I, I think if he wants to coach, he probably will. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. The game of musical chairs in this coaching cycle is starting to shrink pretty rapidly right now. We still have Hall of Fame caliber names hanging out there uh, if there are jobs that they still want here. So, Richard, we appreciate all the time and the insight today, man. Appreciate you stopping by. Should be an awesome weekend. Enjoy it, and hopefully we'll get to see you out there at the Super Bowl. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me on. Always a good time. We really appreciate you being on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Richard Sherman, you can check out uh, and among a number of things, uh, certainly over on Fox and as a part of the Thursday night on Prime Crew that did a great job for so much of this season. Uh, but, Dad, I think that's a good point uh, uh, to finish off, too, about Jim Harbaugh in particular is uh, all of those things he mentioned, steady in those decision makings. You do know what you're going to get. It's going to be a little wild sometimes. There's going to be milk on the table and a lot of meals, and apparently you're going to have to try and take people's socks off times they don't want it but all the rest of the football stuff seems like it'll be pretty well controlled that is a hilarious story to take the sock off so i mean it had to be a quirky guy to play for but by god he gets results and that's all that matters Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits. Just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. to Gojo and Golik. <clears throat> the Pro Football Writer Awards are out, okay? So let's talk about them. Lamar Jackson is the MVP. Christian McCaffrey, Offensive Player of the Year. Miles Garrett is Defensive Player of the Year. So guys, what do we think? Results are in. Do we think these are like precursors to the NFL awards? Can we draw a little correlation here? 
I would say so. I think most of these seem like what we would expect for a lot of these across the board, right, Dad? I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a guy that drew a lot of MVP talk early in the season before yeah. I think Lamar Jackson really put the foot on the gas starting in that Rams game on down the home stretch. Miles Garrett and Defensive Player of the Year is going to be interesting. There were a lot of compelling candidates, especially among the edge players. And he was a guy that towards the end of the season sort of tailed off in production as that shoulder injury started to hinder him. But in general, this seems like, especially from Lamar Jackson as the MVP, that seems like a foregone conclusion now. And Christian McCaffrey as Offensive Player of the Year, I thought him or Tyreek Hill would both be pretty deserving of that. Yeah, I would hope Christian McCaffrey will come in at least second for the MVP behind Lamar Jackson. He deserves that. And if there is a player out there, a non-quarterback, that would deserve MVP. It is either one of the two, Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill, and I would lean toward Christian McCaffrey this year. Defensive player of the year, Mike, how about T.J. Watt? I mean, yeah. T.J. Watt has as many ta more tackles for loss than Miles Garrett and Micah Parsons. He led the NFL in sacks with 19. He had four force fumbled, three recovered, one for a touchdown, more than the other guys uh, as well. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett and Micah tied for seventh in sacks uh, at 14. So I, I don't know. I listen. I, I you picked Miles before you picked Miles, right? I sure. think I picked Micah and you picked Miles. But man, it, it's tough. It's tough not to put T.J. Watt in there. He again, again, he led in sacks, and there was Trey Hendrickson, Josh Allen, Khalil, uh, Khalil Mack, Daniel Hunter, but. T.J. Watt, I mean, every game, not just sacks, but again, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, had an interception as well. There, there's part of me that would lean toward him as a defensive player of the year, quite honestly. T.J. Watt, the 2021 Defensive Player of the Year uh, as well. So already got one of those under his belt. Nick Bosa, the Defending Defensive Player of the Year, which is a funny thing to say. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things, Dad, where like my, you know, my lukewarm take on all this is I'm kind of comfortable with most of the guys in that edge tri trio yeah. being yeah. the winner of this award, considering what they do. I think Miles Garrett overall for me, when we have these conversations, T.J. Watt's incredible. I don't want to take anything away from him, but Miles Garrett is a one-of-one -one space alien type talent that oh. you watch sort of the argument that we make for Lamar Jackson where even if the statistical profile doesn't normally scream MVP when you turn the games on and you watch the effect they have on opposing team it's nightmarish and so maybe that's part of the old alignment in me where it's the guy that you at least want to block and Miles Garrett is number one on that list every time he is a terrifying scary monster Plus, I think that puts him in a category. And Micah as well. They'll move around. I mean, we've seen Miles Garrett standing over a guard. We've seen Micah do that Which as well. It should be illegal, by the uh, way. It should be that, against that, the rules. You freaks yeah. that want to ban the tush push, but want to let yeah. this persist. No one signs up to play. Set. Most centers, you're like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, three, maybe 300 pounds, and supposed to be hidden in the middle. I'm supposed to have help everywhere. And you want one of these freak shows with all these defenses that want to yeah. line guys up at the line, so I got to block that one-on-one. -on -one. It's crass, inoffensive, it's unnatural, and it's an abomination. It shouldn't happen. Uh, so from that standpoint, both those guys and their versatility of moving around, and then just the fact that every interview I ever see Miles Garrett do, he doesn't have a shirt on, which is exactly how it should be. Yes. I, it's ridiculous looking at him. Ridiculous. I say that, and every time I do a San Francisco game, when I see Nick Bosa warming up, he wears a cutoff uh, T-shirt with cut off on the arms and a T-shirt that fits, you know, like a glove on him, and I just say. My God, how, how, how does that happen? How, how do people become that impressive body-wise? 
But it is incredible. But Miles Garrett, you're right, is an absolute, you know, alien out there in what he does. So from that standpoint, you know, between T.J. Watt and Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett, he is the freak show out there. But that will be. I'm with you though as well. I I could go different ways there on that. It's not like if Miles Garrett got it, I would be like, oh no, T.J. should have got it. And if T.J. got it, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, Miles should have got it. I'm cool either way there. And that's the same way I feel about the offensive player of the year when it comes to Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill. Both had an unbelievable effect on their team's success. You could see the gravity that both forced from defenses and how it changed the math for the rest of their offense. I think you could maybe argue just Tyreek Hill because of the nature of that position. When you've got an outside receiver that bends the field, it does so much different in how you have to account for that. But either of those guys is deserving there. And so while the fan bases would be salty, I wonder, you know, the players also feel some type of way about this we got a window into that the other day rarely are are players this candid all the time there are some that obviously use this stuff as a chip and a motivation but Raheem Mostert uh speaking of Miami Dolphins went on his podcast and made it pretty clear that he took being snubbed from the all pro team very personally on my phone here let me show you real quick it's my screensaver um I put you know all pro right that's 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 what I wanted to do I wanted to I wanted to be all pro um, that was important to me, and and unfortunately, I didn't get that. Um, you know, I I don't understand why I didn't. I didn't even get second team All Pro, um, which is mind boggling because I you know I still had 21 touchdowns and over a thousand yards uh, rushing and um, over 1,100 yards you know total. But yeah, uh, we can we can talk about that another time. I just I was a little frustrated when I found out that I didn't even make second team. All pro, but you know, kudos to to Kyron Williams. I know that he's a stud. I, I've seen him play, um, you know, not in person, but you know, from afar, and he's 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 good. He mentioned there uh, Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams the right. uh, first and second team all pro members there ahead of him and dead it, it, I, you know shades of isaiah thomas from the last dance that feeling like i met all the requirements here i don't know why i was on the list a- and it's tough and for running backs especially dead for all these guys it's not just an ego thing i mean this goes a long way in how you're treated contractually how you're defined and revered by your peers it's a respect thing here for these guys and you saw a very concrete goal for Mostert in a time right now where running backs constantly feel like they're on trial for their football lives so the thing i'll say and if Mostert made second team i i I would be cool but kyron williams one thing we need to remember kyron williams rushed for more yards than raheem mostert caught more passes than raheem mostert so he had more total yards than mostert did he didn't have as many touchdowns he had 15 total touchdowns mostert had 21 here's the difference mostert played in 15 games so he missed a couple Kyron Williams played in 12. Oh, yeah. 12 games. It's insane. So he did all that in 12 games. So I'm, I'm very comfortable, not just because he's a Notre Dame guy as well, very comfortable with him getting the nod second team uh, with those kind of numbers in playing that amount of games, right? I mean, that's, that, that's pretty darn impressive. Oh, he was I'm, third I'm in the you. league not- in rushing. 
not disputing it at all. What Kyron did this season is amazing, and it's not like he was the sole focus of that offense because they didn't have any other right. weapons. They got the right. offensive rookie of the year in Puka Nakua, who basically yep. broke all of our brains. And, and you know, you got him. You had Cooper Cup come back during the season. There were weapons aplenty on that team in that offense, but he was an absolute difference maker and a force for them. You're right in hyper efficiency in such a limited amount of games and this is what we talked about with the player of the year awards here good players are always going to get left out but i know it is disheartening because when your career is over this is the stuff that gets listed on your wikipedia page 21 touchdowns in that season you're gonna have pr dig pretty deep to find that right. in the bio yep. for raheem mostert and instead it's hey all pro teams gonna show up there for guys that are looking about how they're defined and what their legacy looks like post-career so i i agree with you i think these are absolutely the right choices christian mccaffrey's obvious but kyron williams had a banger of a yep. season and it showed very quickly the player that we all saw at notre dame is the same dude that showed up in yep. los angeles yeah, the biggest difference was touchdowns because Kyron Williams averaged 112 yards a game. Mostert averaged 79 yards a game. So while Mostert did have a great year, take nothing away from that. But when someone's got to be in and someone's got to be out, I'm, I'm okay with this choice. You know what? He's going to get ready to play the disrespect card next year when he goes back to work. And uh, coming up next, we'll get to the best sound from yesterday as America's team and America's quarterback played the disrespect card a big way yesterday. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. to Gojo and Golik, the Lions have a chance to make history, and they are dealing with a whole new level of prying eyes and attention, even for an NFL team. And Dan Campbell is not unaware that that can come with some distractions. I mean, here we are. This is the biggest issue right now. I mean, most time I come in here and there's, what, I don't know, 20 of you, and now there's a whole packed room, people I don't even recognize. And that's what our players are dealing with. It's all the extra attention outside of the norm. That's the issue. It's not the opponent. It has its own issues uh, that we'll deal with, but it's all the outside attention and where they're getting pulled from every area. You know, you got friends, you got family reaching out. Well, unbelievable. You guys are here again. What are you going to blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, you're such a phenomenal player. You know, you, you're a phenomenal coach. You're a phenomenal GM. And pretty soon, it, if you forget that it, it's us and it's about, it's about the team, you know, um, I think that's always a challenge this time of year when you get in these type of games and settings. I love that Dan Campbell is basically being like, don't let it get to your head, fellas. Like, I'm not letting it get to my head. 
it, it, it's the truth though and different yeah. level of football like obviously college to nfl so take this with you know for what it's worth there but that was i was on perennial 500 football teams when i was in college at notre dame and then the last year we caught fire and we went 12 and 0 and it was a very different season experience in terms of the outside attention i remember by the end of the year there were fans that wanted you to sign memorabilia they were showing up outside of our football facility before and after practice every day in droves by the end of the year they showed up in the gate like they had to buy a ticket to get in by the gate when we were coming back from winter break to go back and start bowl practice there to have us sign stuff in the airport about midway through the season, a sign went up by the water fountain right outside going to the exit of our football facility that said, what we say here stays here when we leave here. Ignore the noise because the fire was starting to rise to Dan's point about how people show up. I saw Sam Ponder three times that year. We had college game day multiple times. Everyone wants to make you feel special. Obviously, everyone remembers the Manti Teo story from that year when Manti was a Heisman Trophy winner. But to Dan's point, Finally. as you start going along as one of the good teams, Everyone wants to tell your story. Everyone wants to make you feel special. And it does become, you know, distraction's a loaded word that we use in the NFL, but dad, it is a challenge for your focus to then approach each day as the same and still go out there and do the things that at this point in the season, the Lions know what they need to do on a day-to-day -day basis to be successful. And it's to not let the rest of this ticket request, family that wants to come by, all that stuff that as there are fewer teams in the dance become more and more prevalent to let all that stuff not get to you during this important prep time and and, and I, guess, I would imagine it's a fine line it was with you guys and again a big difference is you had 44 days to be number one in the country before yeah. that game is you want to be able to enjoy it as well right that you don't sure. want to just you know seclude yourself from it and say i don't want to deal with it at all because we got another game and i'm sure with dan and those players it's kind of the same thing there's part of enjoying it and then there's part of okay we have a job to do you have a couple players on that team that have been through it jared goff right when he was with the rams and cj gardner johnson when he was with the eagles who could lend a hand in talking to players but for a lot of players this is the first time they're they've only dealt with you know bad stuff there right yeah. and now it's the good stuff so the adulation is really piling on so there is the fine line of enjoying it but don't let it interrupt your preparation you know and I think that's what Dan is going to say and that's what Richard Sherman said when we just had him on about Pete Carroll every game should be that way you're preparing like every game is the championship game and all of a sudden the confetti's flying down and you're like oh yeah we were playing for the title there I thought that was a great uh, comment by Richard and how Pete let it. Now, it's easier said than done to sit there sure. and say, don't let it affect you because you have so many people that are harping on you and then just wait on how that magnifies for the winning teams this week going to the Super Bowl. And if it's Detroit, it had been so long from a championship, we're going before even Super Bowls of what's going to happen. So that's really the job of the coach and the veteran players, especially like I mentioned, Goff and Johnson about players who have been there to try and really relay that to other players. Yeah, and, and Goff uh, showing that veteran presence already in the way that he's <laughs> dealing with some stuff. Because again, Jesse, he's a guy that we talked about going into a lot last week. He was the cast off in the first round. He got to go up against the team that let him go in the Los Angeles Rams that sent him to Detroit to begin with. And so he's no stranger to the noise. And he's talked about how that affected him. But he's also gotten very good at blocking out the noise from specific sources. Yeah, there's like a narrative around him, but there's also a narrative around the team and everything. And he's been very clear that it's not just quieting the noise inside the building, also the noise that's outside the building.
does bulletin board material matter to you guys at all? Uh, it depends what it is. What, what do you got? Skip Bayless, after your game, tweeted out the following. No, I don't care about anything he says. You can stop now. <laughs> it's, it's not... I love it. No, yeah. no oxygen. <laughs> no oxygen. Yeah, no. It's, 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 anything those guys say on daytime TV, you can you can skip over that. So the tweet that we're referring to here from Skip Bayless is, congrats, Lions. You've won the right to get blown out at San Francisco. But, hey, great year. Uh, you know, one, one of our nation's uh, premier haters. He's yeah. so good at this. <laughs> I, 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 listen, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And, and listen, Skip has been incredibly successful, incredibly popular with what he, with what he has done. Uh, and the way he does it, I'm just not a fan of it. I'm just not a fan of of saying, in my eyes, stupid garbage like that. You know, that that just. But that's what he has done, and it gets him a headline, and it and it's made an incredible career for him. So I'll, I'll separate that and say it's been great for him. It's worked for him. I just I just can't stand that stuff. I think it's ridiculous, and I would have the same reaction Jared Goff would have at, at a statement like that coming from someone like that. Well, and you know, the best part is like Jared probably knows what the tweet said because most players. Hear oh, sure. Now it's hard to be yeah. super insulated from yeah. it. And again, not to reference, you know, the, the 2012 season too too much. But I remember it went through that with Rick Riley, like a guy that I grew up reading and right. revering who wrote the article at the beginning of the season about how Notre Dame football was no longer relevant. And by the end of the season was so confident that we would go out and lose to USC that he said he would come to South Bend and personally <laughs> shine our gold helmets if yep. we ended up going to the national championship game. And to his undying credit, he came he out it. there and paid the Piper did that with a bunch of us in the room and took his medicine there. But uh, dad, that is another thing that we talked about comes with the table yes. on this. And Jared Goff's a guy that's been used to hearing this slander about him a lot. He kind of, I mean, looking at Brock Purdy across the side of this other side of the field, I'd imagine there's a lot of understanding there albeit different paths. Jared Goff was the number one overall pick. It was different expectation. But Jared Goff's also been the guy that's been looked at on a lot of those Rams teams as, all right, you're kind of the one being brought along. You're not the first one people think of in terms of why we're winning football games. The credit goes to the coach. The credit goes, in right. that case, to the defense and the guys on the other side. And then you leave and they get the job done. And so he's used to being treated as lesser than in these situations, even for a guy with his resume. Jared Goff was the number one pick in the draft and got cast aside, right? Got traded away. When you're the number one pick in the draft, you are supposed to be, even number one, you know, the first couple picks, if you're a quarterback, you're supposed to be that team's quarterback for a decade, right? And we know it doesn't always work out that way, but that's the thought process of why they're taking you number one. And it didn't work for him. And he got traded away. He got swapped quarterbacks with a quarterback in Detroit at that point a team that wasn't winning. So he went from number one, I'm supposed to be the guy on this team, to now I'm getting traded. I, they no longer want me on this team, and I'm getting to a, a perennial loser. So, yeah, you could see how that would affect him, you know, mentally on that side to say, but and when, then what he has done to come back from that has been incredible. So kudos to him for that and where he is now and where he potentially could take this team. 
And, and so much of that, too, is, is the confidence that I think he draws from the group around him. We've talked about the Dan Campbell effect that it seems to have had on Jared Goff, where he would be comfortable saying like this. This did not seem like Jared Goff's personality in Los Angeles, but now as a part of this Lions group that I think is more Richard Sherman Seahawks, where those teams under Pete yeah. Carroll were allowed right. to be themselves. They were incredible personality-driven teams, as opposed to New England Patriots, where it's do your job. You're one of 22 out there on the field at any given time right now. This Lions team, as we've talked about, taking on the identity of their head coach, and I think nowhere is that more apparent than the transformation for Jared Goff, who, listen, Jared, baby, the folks over at Gojo and Golick love you here, so if you're going to discount what Skip Bayless <laughs> says, just remember, we'll keep it real with you here. Jason Cabinda, your teammate's one of our good friends of the program right now, so Lion Pride, you got a home around here, don't worry. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that's going to make these playoffs even more electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with the lines, odds, and props for all of this weekend's NFL championship games. You can always look at interesting ones like quarterback rushing props, Lamar Jackson over under 64 and a half yards in this game versus Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the AFC championship game over under 26 and a half rushing yards for the star quarterback for the Chiefs. You can check out and decide for yourself where you want to go. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out live Monday through Friday, if you can, from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Let somebody know we're here live on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. But if you miss us live for whatever reason, you can always get us and catch our great guests. Our thanks to Bryant Young, Hall of Famer, former great 49ers and Notre Dame defensive lineman, and Richard Sherman. You can see him over on FS1. He was a part of the Thursday night on Prime Crew there, obviously. Former all-time great NFL cornerback as well. You can get those wherever you get your podcasts or available on YouTube as soon as we get done here. Do want to credit, by the way, earlier we played some sound of Jared Goff responding to the haters. Uh, that was from 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit. Our thanks to them for some great insight from one of the quarterbacks that's going to be playing this weekend. But Dad, Jesse, let's get to this first. Speaking of great sound, and great moments for the internet. Isaiah Pacheco has been a subject of a lot of really funny tweets because he runs like an absolute savage. Oh, and one of man. the best ones came from Jordan Lewis, who said that he runs like he bites people. And rarely do we get to see moments where the internet makes contact with real life. But Isaiah Pacheco gave us mana from heaven yesterday. I'll say the funniest one that I thought was 
they said I run like I bite people. Like, I ain't no zombie. Like, that was crazy. Like, so that was one of the funniest ones. You said I run like I bite the ground, bite the grass. And that's crazy. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a great opinion, I guess, to have uh, on the way I run. Uh, for me, it's just um, being determined and understanding um, that I have a goal to achieve and, and we want to get the job done. It's I can't. it's so great when it at, people are actually forced. And this is the part about having like deeply online young football players now who can go through all this. I bet Zaya Pacheco, who's a great story, has overcome a lot of personal tragedy in his family to get to this point and is going to be a huge part of if they win this game, Dad, the Baltimore Ravens rush defense being the one place where maybe you can find some solace as an opposing offense. He's going to need to run like he bites a lot of people coming up this weekend. Listen, he absolutely does. Uh, 5'10", 216. Uh, and I've said this about him since he's been in the league. If you're a young player out there watching, you always watch the, the, the people you, you emulate and watch where you want to go. While he's not going to be considered the best running back in the league, this is how you should run. This is how a running back should run. Every single play, we, they always say, play it like it's your last play. I swear he runs like it's the last time he's ever going to have a running play or ever touch the ball again in the NFL. And he does it every single play. His legs never stop moving. I mean, he's an angry runner. He's an aggressive runner. He doesn't shy away from contact, and he just keeps going. It, it's Mike, in all honesty, it, it's, it's to break it down in its simplest terms, he's a pleasure to watch. Because we always talk about 100% every play, and, and, and that's tough to do. Listen, I mean, everybody wants oh, to yeah. do that, but, it, but it's so tough to do. But to watch him run the ball and get the ball and just – I just love to know what's in his mind every single time, but he's got his mind trained so well that when he gets the ball, his aggressive style is just – it's great to see. I, I just love to see it because it's consistent every single time. It's incredible. I think someone said whatever he's whatever the opposite of no wasted motion is, but uh, also respected by his peers because that tweet about him yeah. biting people came from Cowboys defensive back Jordan Lewis. So he clearly recognizes that a guy, not a guy anyone really wants to tackle. And as these temperatures dip down in January into February football, that's a guy who you've already got the wind working against you, the temperatures working against you, and oh by the way, you got to tackle the dude that looks like he bites people. So rest assured, he is not a zombie. He is just ready to go. Um, uh, Jesse, speaking of ready to go, let's get to that. Uh, women's college basketball has been a star-studded event for the last few seasons. We've seen the TV ratings reflect that, and now the ticket price is also reflecting that as well for one of the biggest matchups of the season coming up. Yeah, if you want to see number one South Carolina take on LSU on Thursday, it's definitely not going to be cheap, okay? Resale prices for this game. Tickets are going for 3K. 3K, wow. guys. Can you believe that number? It just goes to show... Obviously, the rise in popularity in women's sports like you were talking about, Gojo. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. And listen, Dawn Staley's South Carolina squads have been perennial contenders. No surprise that they're back in the number one spot. Dad, Kim Mulkey's LSU team has had a little bit of a, a rocky season. You know, Angel Reese, one of the big stars of the sport, right. and dealing with that sort of cryptic suspension or whatever it was early in the season has now given way to two of the best teams in the sport getting ready to meet between them and Caitlin Clark and certainly what we've seen from a number of other programs. It, it's made so much 
much of the women's game must see in a way that dad used to be what so many people I think in general like college of sports overall names that you recognize who are in school for long enough to get to know them to get some rivalries that build up and give us moments like this where you've got known brand commodities getting ready to clash yeah, for LSU, it was interesting, right? They lost right out of the gate to preseason number 20, Colorado. Lost opening day, and we were like, wow, okay, that's a little surprising. And then I think they lost about, I think it was about 12 days ago when they were sitting in the seventh slot. They lost to Auburn, uh, and now they're ranked, I believe, ninth, 18-2 and two as South Carolina is undefeated. Yeah, th this could be definitely a preview of a matchup, you know, for the title down the road. But South Carolina, what they're doing is just – uh, we, we know our guy Darius Rucker is about as happy as can be, you know, seeing his, uh, the Gamecock women and what they're doing right now. Uh, it's impressive. But we, we have talked about this for the last couple of years, the rise of women's sports and the popularity of it. And it's this has been one of the spots you really looked at to see that happening with women's college basketball, with some of the games we got and some of the stars in those games. Yep, and we've seen it reflected in you know, NIL evaluations and the way that people look at that and the money that's come into the sport to incredibly marketable athletes on the women's side. But we talked about this a little bit before, too, with the coaching changes in college football and who sits now as the face of the sport when you've got guys like Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban either retiring or leaving for the NFL. Women's college basketball has had a lot of those faces for a long time. And you talk about in this game, Dawn Staley has been someone who has been one of the name coaches in the sport. She oozes swagger. She's always got great fits on the sideline. And she coaches basketball teams that are so physically imposing and will go out there and just bigger, faster, stronger you into the ground that I think it's another one of those things that in a game that, you know, we've seen, you know, between, you know, uh, Pat Summit and Gino Oriyama, honestly, for years, Muffet McGraw, Notre, you know, Notre Dame's former coach, and, and certainly with what Dawn's done and Kim Mulkey in this game, you've got face of the sport type names in the coaching matchup for this one as well. But let's get to the third. Speaking of another one of the big names in the women's game, let's head to the WNBA as Neka Agumake, uh, now set to be former LA Sparks star, made a big announcement yesterday. Yeah, she's leaving the Sparks after 12 seasons. Pretty unbelievable. Former WNBA MVP. She's played her entire career with the Sparks since being drafted number one overall in 2012. So apparently she felt it was really important to inform the organization of her decision to move forward. It's her first opportunity to be a fully unrestricted free agent. So guys, big news, big restructuring here in the WNBA perhaps. It's it's huge, and we talked about all the head coaching meetings that have been going on in the NFL. Uh, Chine or NECA, excuse me, her sister, Chanae, my yeah. former colleague, uh, and also WNBA player. But uh, NECA's already taken meetings reportedly with the Sparks, the Atlanta Dream, the Phoenix Mercury, and the Chicago Sky also intends to meet with the Seattle Storm and the New York Liberty before making a decision. And, Dad, that's what I'm sure everyone wonders now when you've seen these super teams form in yeah. places like New York and the Las Vegas Aces, if this is a place now late in her career NECA starts to look to see if you can go out there and chase one of these titles. Well, everybody's looking to knock off the aces, right? Vegas beat uh, New York last year. I think it was three to one uh, in the finals. Uh, they, the aces have an incredible team. So you wonder if New York, every team is loading up again. New York the, right now seems to be the closest. They were the only two teams last year to have single digits in the loss column. So you wonder if that would be a landing spark for New York to really kind of load up to say, all right, the aces are the team, you know, and every team has to try and build to take them down.
Yep, and NECA certainly someone who knows what it takes to win a title. Won one with the Sparks in 2016, was also named the MVP that year. She's the president of the WNBA Players Association, all of the great ground they've made up over the last couple of negotiations there. She's an all-timer, a family with two number one overall picks yeah. in the fold. Good work if you can get it. If you appreciate us as your number one pick for a podcast and show, download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.